0: Welcome to the Impact 360 Institute podcast, where our goal is to explore biblical worldview and servant leadership to equip you for everyday influence. Here's your host, author and director of cultural engagement, Jonathan Morrow.
1: What would it look like to be free to thrive this year? Well, welcome to the Impact 360 Institute podcast. And that's the conversation that we're going to get to have today about a topic that we all need to engage. What does it look like to be free to thrive, and how our hurt, struggles, and deepest longings can lead to a fulfilling life. And I'm really excited to be joined uh, by Ben Bennett and Josh McDowell, who co-wrote this book. Um, Josh McDowell has shared the gospel with over 45 million people across the globe through his work with CREW, Campus Crusade for Christ, and the global outreach of Josh McDowell Ministry. Uh, He's a leading figure in Christian apologetics movement and is the author and co-author of over 150 books, including um, the classic and the updated version of Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And so, Josh, it's great to have you on with us today.
2: Well, it's like dying going to heaven being with you, Jonathan.
1: (laughs) Well, I will take it. I don't know that that's deserved, but it's great to talk to you. And I also want to introduce your co-author, Ben Bennett, who is an author and speaker and director of the Resolution Movement a global movement helping young people overcome hurts and struggles to thrive in life. He also partners with world-renowned therapists and ministry leaders to help individuals young and old understand and work through the underlying factors driving the unhealthy patterns in their lives. And he's also been on staff uh, with Joshua God Ministries since 2017. So, Ben, uh, thanks for joining us today.
0: Jonathan, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm pumped for this conversation. I uh, appreciate your work and everything you're doing, so I think we'll have a great discussion. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. And so uh, if you're out there and listening, we're talking about this brand new book that Josh and Ben have co-authored called Free to Thrive, How Your Hurt, Struggles, and Deepest Longings Can Lead to a Fulfilling Life. So I'd love to just throw this out to both of you. Why this book and why now, and, and maybe how have your own stories kind of played in and, and that journey into the writing of this book, Free to Thrive?
2: Well I'll go first here. I've been in the ministry 57 years and seen so many um, top influencers fall by the wayside through divorce, sexual immorality, finances and all, and every time it would hurt. So it took some time and I examined a number of the different friends of mine know that, that just fell sexually, spiritually, and with every one of them. There were unmet longings or needs in their lives. There were things in their lives they had never dealt with. And after a while, I started saying, hmm, that must be one of the number of factors that will lead to burnout or self-destruction is uh, unmet needs. Uh, I look at my own life growing up. uh, It was pretty well communicated. My only worth was to be... Able to work. My father one time just stopped. I remember where I was standing when he said it, out near the barn, walking out with my dad. My dad just stopped and looked at me and said, You know, you were an unwanted child. Uh, Hmm. The only thing you're good for is working the fields. I got to tell you, that hit me like a brick. And to this day, it's still in the forefront of my mind. And um, my parents never went to college. They had zero education. I don't think they had much of a relationship with their parents. And so a lot of times I would hear the phrase, oh, come on, you're worthless. Come on, do something right once, uh, et cetera. And I found the negative things stuck in my mind more than the positive things stuck in my mind. And so as a result, I came out of this with some pretty poor habits in my life, right up becoming a Christian, having to minister everything. I became a rescuer. I had to rescue people financially, I had to rescue people from their problems, from their hurts. And the problem was it was destroying me. I was getting exhausted. It seems like I was always dealing with other people's hurts and problems and everything. And um, I started to kind of develop a dull attitude about ministry and everything. But then in my life I was very fortunate because into my life came Dr. Henry Cloud and we became very, very close friends. And he's a Christian. I think he's a psychiatrist. And over a year, year and a half, he really used the Word of God in my life and saw my life changed.
0: Mm.
1: Well, that's awesome. Well, that's uh, thanks for sharing and just being candid about that because I know so many people can relate to some aspect or all of of, of different parts of your story and, and feeling that way. And that's why I'm really excited to to dig into what uh, what you found, what was helpful, but but Ben, what about you? Why 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 did you feel passionate about getting involved with this book and in writing this this project right now?
0: It was after you know about ten years of of working with young people and so many things I went through myself growing up, experiencing abuse and trauma and mental health issues, yet growing up in a Christian home, yet there being so much dysfunction and. Just the journey that God led me on in my own life to be set free from porn addiction, other addictions, trauma, healing, went through a long journey of therapy and meeting with pastors and and just started understanding that there's so much more to this Christian growth thing that we tend to focus on the spiritual, just the spiritual, when the Bible also talks a lot about our emotional health and our relational health. And in fact, Jesus almost said that all of um, those things go hand in hand with the great commandment saying uh, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Right in there, there's a spiritual, emotional and relational component. And so just a lot of my own journey and then being in ministry for, um, you know, 10 years now, I started working with leaders and teens and college students and seeing just the vast amount of brokenness, of addiction, of mental health issues and wondering why the the classic answers um, aren't working, or or wondering why people weren't getting free from reading the Bible, confessing their sin, praying more. Kind of like, why was I not getting free through that? And, And realizing that the Bible has so much more to say, and research, and psychology, and neuroscience is affirming everything there that we've missed in the Bible. And so, you know, just after finding lots and lots of freedom, healing, and a thriving life in my own journey, wanting to share that with others and and really seeing that this is crucial for the next generation. So many young people today are asking, is Christianity good? How does Jesus change life here and now? And Jesus has a lot to say about life here and now and healing and freedom and salvation and eternal life begins here and, and lasts for eternity for the Christian So that's kind of my story and why I got passionate about this in a nutshell. It's
2: kind of like Jonathan, when you see these things in your own life, like I was traveling all over the world, writing books, people were quoting me, everything. And I'm looking at myself and I said, man, I got my own problems. Mm. And um, we all have problems and there's solutions for every one of them. And. What happens is once you see your life starting to be free and you're free to thrive, you still want to tell others about it because you sense a little bit of what many others are going through. So our desire is that this book will help others to learn how to walk through these struggles and be free to thrive uh, through the journeys of both men and myself.
1: And that's wonderful. And and I think it's hopeful. And, and and if people are listening right now, whether you're a mom or a dad or a student, maybe someone's coming to mind, maybe you're maybe just sitting close to home for you or something like that. I want to start off at the outset and say there is hope and there is a way forward. I'm excited to talk about kind of what that biblically informed way of hope is in a minute. But before we get to that, what are some of the kind of current statistics that you came across that talk about the current crisis around coping and unwanted behaviors in the church or what, how people are kind of in an unprecedented way struggling In the church or students or people today, like just talk about that a little bit, about what we're experiencing seeing, especially in the next generation from your perspective.
2: Boy, some of the research uh shows that more than 70% of teens today, they will say that anxiety and depression are major problems among their peers. That's staggering. Um 70% will say their peers are struggling with anxiety. And then when you see that suicide is the second leading cause of death among um, people 10 to 34 years of age, right? When they should be in their prime and everything to live for, everything, to uh, even consider suicide. And then um, more than 90 percent of men and 60 percent of women have viewed porn in the last 30 days. That's huge. And same thing is true of Christians. And yet, 30% of pastors will say they feel very only about 30% will say they feel well equipped. In other words, 70% of pastors say they don't really feel equipped to deal with these problems. And so our prayer is that this book will help many, many pastors to see some things in the lives of their congregation and be able to biblically-based and um, emotionally sound, minister to them.
0: Yeah, and I would just add to that that from January 2019 through January 2021, we saw a number of adults in this country reporting symptoms of anxiety and depression go from 11% to 41%. It quadrupled. We know this Uh, pandemic has wreaked havoc on people's mental and emotional state, their spiritual state, people walking away from the faith—it is, it's just been devastating. And yeah, you know, we we hope that that uh, despite everything going on, that people can find that hope, they can find those proven answers, and that they know that their their current circumstances do not have to last forever. Jesus can provide healing and freedom if they reach out for help.
2: Absolutely, I've concluded, Jonathan, that. The epidemic we're going through, COVID, Omicron, all that, didn't cause these things. They surfaced them. They, they magnified them in people's lives. And so I believe that once we're through this whole Omicron and COVID thing, we're going to see deep emotional problems in people that these brought forth out of their lives. And uh, I think as a church, we need to be ready in 3 to 4 years, 5 years to meet some of these incredible needs that are going to be in our in believers' lives and non-believers.
1: Yeah, absolutely because they're growing up. Um, students are growing up with this and they're going to become manifest and then also parents are having That's to figure right. out how to navigate it for themselves mm-hmm. but also help their kids, right? I mean, how do we how do we do this better? How do we make sure that people feel emotionally seen and heard and and mentally healthy as they're engaging and navigating life and and all of those things so that kind of we can move forward and thrive as you talk about. So tell me about um, in your research, what are some of the God-given needs and longings that you discover that all humans have in common to fulfill healthy and satisfied lives? Like, I think that'd be a great baseline to start this conversation about what are those longings that we all have across the board?
0: Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, one of the things we discovered uh, in our research um, (laughs) is that God created, and we we found this throughout the Bible, but also through sociology and psychological findings, and um, is that all throughout the Bible, there are these seven longings, these seven persistent cravings that God created every human being to have fulfilled. And if we think about Genesis 1 and 2, the Garden of Eden, these were fulfilled in relationship with God and with one another. and. A couple of those are, are accept. the first one I'll, I'll share is acceptance, to be included, loved, and approved of as you are, no matter what. And if you think about the Garden of Eden and how that was experienced, no hurt, no pain, no rejection, just constant positive experiences, walking with God, walking with other people, that was one of them. And, and now you think about in our life or our day in a fallen world, how easily that can go unmet. Another one is appreciation. This is to be thanked or encouraged for what you've done. And I've thought about my own life for years, just struggling with procrastination, thinking that I was lazy. One of the things I realized was I actually wasn't lazy because I'm such a hard worker. It was that I wasn't believed in. I wasn't encouraged. It wasn't after, you know, so many times I, I didn't feel believed in when I got a good grade on a test or when I. Um, learn to write a song with my band members and and crush it and play live. So I didn't really believe in myself. So there was this deep fear of, I'm not going to do good enough. And that translated to all kinds of things in my life and and, and fears. But when somebody experiences that, it really changes everything. And, you know, Jonathan, one of the things that kind of puts this all together, we came across this study from Harvard, and they had been tracking – For eight decades, eighty years, following people, trying to look at what leads to the lowest amount of disease and what leads to the happiest people, and the current head of the study said, by and large, good relationships keep us happier and healthier. Period. And I'm going, what? That's astounding. That's that's biblical. That's of course. That's the way God designed us. When these relational needs are met, we. We thrive. When these seven longings are lived out, we experience them in in relationships with God and with others, we find the greatest thriving and fulfillment in our life. It's not about money. It's not about success. It's not about fame. It's not even about your, your, your failures and how that impacts you. No, it's about relationships and fulfilling these longings.
2: Yeah. And, you know, the Harvard study, the guy that directed it said, he also said when asked, What is the key? He said, it's relationships, relationships, relationships. You know, it's interesting. Almost all of our problems start from a relationship or people. And almost all of our relationships start to be healed through relationships and people. Mm -hmm. God intended not only himself, but others to be involved in our lives and we to be involved in others. And so often we play that down and just say, well, the most important thing is just your relationship with God. And often that leads to a lot of disappointing lifestyles. But another is affection. A number of years ago, in writing The Secret of Loving book, I did a lot of research on love. And it was interesting. All over the world, I would say in every continent, every country, one of the two or three basic needs that people expressed was to be loved, to love, and to be loved. To love somebody else and then to be loved by them, was a key factor. And this is why um, affection is such a huge part of the longings that we have in our lives. But what is interesting when you look at these things, Jonathan, I don't know if you're familiar with my talk on the seven A's of building relationships. These are almost identical, acceptance, appreciation, affection, affirmation, assurance, et etc. And what is interesting in my talk on building relationships on the things to do are actually the things that meet people's longings in their lives. The same mm-hmm. principles of building relationships are the principles of meeting longings in one's life. And once Ben and I started talking about this, I said, wow, i never realized that before.
1: Yeah, that's amazing because I think then those longings then match up with ways we can actually help and encourage people and provide healing in those relationships. And that's what I think is so hopeful because I think everyone secretly wonders, am I the only one who feels this way at some level? And then we either Mm. kind of go underground or we just stop asking or we stop thinking that, you know, it matters to ask that question or, or whatever it may be. And so I think you have put your finger on something that's so important in writing this book, especially at the moment um in the generational crisis that we're in right now in a lot of ways culturally and emotionally and and a lot of that but I think it's such a great opportunity though to to grow in our overall discipleship unto the Lord Jesus too because in community with others so that's why I'm I'm so encouraged by what you guys have written here
2: well I pray to God it's going to help a lot of people and especially pastors my heart goes out to pastors uh, I think being a pastor is the second most difficult job in the world, The number one job is being a pastor's wife, but uh, <laughs> number two is being a pastor. They got to be everything to everyone, and I think the more we can encourage pastors, minister to pastors, help pastors, etc., the more God's heart is warmed.
1: No, I think that's great. Well, what about you know? We've talked about some of these different A's, you know, acceptance, appreciation, those longings, affection, availability, attention, affirmation of feelings, and assurance of safety that you highlight, how can Christians begin to experience healing from those unresolved hurts or unfulfilled longings? Like what, what might that begin to look like? Cause I know you talk about various things in the book. I mean, from activating events, which kind of throw us into a normal cycle that's unhealthy, but also mm-hmm. maybe talk about kind of frame and set up that whole conversation of what happens, but then how we can begin to move forward. Because I, I you know, I think everybody knows once they kind of sit with this long enough that, man, they're there are problems. There's issues. There's unmet longings. But what do, would what do we do with that? But kind of lay all that out the best way you want to here for for everyone to kind of understand kind of what you're what you're what you're getting at.
0: One of the first things that that's so important that that we need to get is that we need to stop just condemning our struggles and our sin and the things we're dealing with and start questioning them because our sin and our struggles are not random. They're actually signals that, when answered can lead to this flourishing life. Why? Well, behind every single thing, every lie, low self-esteem, body image issues, mental health struggles, sin issues like anger, pornography, lashing out in relationships, behind those things are these unmet longings and these deeper desires. There's something we're responding to, we're reacting to, or something we're hoping to get. Some of those things like acceptance, attention, safety. And we see this in, in the Bible, you know, Job 3, after he goes through all of this trauma and loses his health, his wealth, his family, he's so depressed, he wished he had never been born. We see this in 1 Samuel 24 and 25, David <laughs> on the run from King Saul, who's trying to take his life, and he's hiding in caves and riddled with anxiety. So it's 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 there biblically. So looking for that in our own lives, asking, why am I doing this? Why am Am I struggling and what are the unmet longings? What, what happened last week that caused me to feel rejected? So now I'm ending up in pornography, trying to find acceptance or becoming so depressed because I'm agreeing with those lies. How did I not feel safe or even looking at growing up? What are some of the things that I was never intended to experience abuse, trauma, trauma, witnessing certain things that led to these deep fears and, and negative experiences and questioning what's going on here. What am I longing for? Because it's it's like a, a check engine light or lights on a dashboard. You know, once you figure out what's going on, you can start questioning it and looking for what you're longing for and then find that fulfilled in relationships with God and others. And you start healing and and going to that and you experience those needs being met in much more fulfilling ways.
2: Let me give an example of that, Jonathan. In my life, uh, growing up, going back as a kid and everything, I felt the only way I could be loved or accepted was by performance, by doing things. Because the only time my father and even my mother, ever praised me was when I accomplished something well. And then they really let me know that I was wrong when I didn't do something well. And they always, it was kind of like 10 to 1, 10 negative, 1 positive. And as I grew up, I was constantly being drained physically, emotionally, mentally from meeting other people's needs. And when Henry Cloud... When I got to know Henry and became very good friends, I asked him once, Henry, I need a coach. I got a problem and I don't know how to resolve it. Uh, I think most of us need someone else to step into our life to help us to see some of these things, Uh, close friends, but they need to be safe people. And Henry pointed out to me that as long as I was helping people, my love line was even. I was being loving. But the moment I said no to someone, my love line fell. And and I was telling myself, you're not loving. You shouldn't have done that. You should have helped that person everything. You're not a loving person. And as a result, I was just bouncing up and down from being loving to be unloving to loving to unloving, which just drained you emotionally. And I'll never forget. I went to Henry one time and I said, Henry. You'll be so proud of me. Dave Walton, a friend of mine, asked me to help him sand this chair with an electric sander. And I said, um, I can't. I said, I've got to go over here and do this. And I said, aren't you so proud of I was saying to Henry that I said no. And he looked at me and he said, you're so in bondage, it's pathetic. And I'm standing there <laughs> saying, what in the world do you want out of me? And I said, how can you say that? He said, the only way you were able to say no is that you had to say yes to something else. He said, you're not free until you can say no, walk away, go get a milkshake and enjoy it. Mm. And that's when I realized I had a long road to walk yet. God doesn't call us to meet everybody's needs. And I felt that um, my gift from God was to meet everybody's needs. And so it took about a year, year and a half where I really became free. I still said yes a lot of times. I I, I feel I've gotten in my life when I'm saying yes when God desires that I do. And I'm saying no when he desires that I don't. And I feel comfortable with it. I got to tell you, if I hadn't come to this situation a number of years ago, I wouldn't be in the ministry today. It would have destroyed me. So that's a little bit of an example of what Ben was uh, talking about there.
1: Well, thanks for sharing that. I think a lot of people can resonate with that and and say, wow, i I never knew that josh McDowell would would struggle with that or wrestle with that. And that makes me, you know feel better that I can not only recognize maybe similar longings or tendencies, but also, you know, actually do something about it or grow from it. And that's very hopeful. Yeah. So thanks for your. See tender.
2: the irony, Jonathan is, from what you just said, My fear was that if others find out about this, they won't love me as much. They won't like me as much Hmm. because my whole attitude of love, I had a wrong definition of love. So (laughs) that that motivated me all the more to be secretive and to just rescue everyone so that I would be accepted and loved.
1: No, that's that's really helpful what, as you think about it, you know, and, and and just trying to give people hope. And again, we're talking to Josh McDowell. We're talking to Ben Bennett about their brand new book, Free to Thrive, How Your Hurt, Struggles and Deepest Longings Can Lead to a Fulfilling Life. So whether you're a mom or a dad, grandparent, you know, student, you know, growing up in this world, there's there's universal longings that we all have. And they're either going to be met or fulfilled in, in healthy or unhealthy ways. And a lot of that drives so much of what we do. And that's why this book is so important to our discipleship, to the Lord Jesus, and also growing and healing and moving forward. And so um, that's what we're talking about today. And so maybe let's talk a little bit more about maybe in this book, you you put forth what you call a a wholeness apologetics model, which might sound kind of like a big fancy category. But there's great charts in the book that kind of give name and language to different things. But talk about what that is. And, and how that might help us in our area of growth, whatever it is, because some people may go, well, I don't necessarily struggle so much with the sexual sin areas as much as angry or isolation or, you know, image or, or whatever that might be. So maybe kind of across the board, maybe talk about that model and in some different examples of how people could move forward with that.
0: Yeah, to summarize it, it's a biblical model informed by psychology, sociology, neuroscience that explores God's design for a thriving life. And there's basically three parts. What does it mean to truly thrive here and now and forever with God, with others, seeing God for who he is as your loving father um, who has who has dealt with your sin on the cross and is not obsessed with it. He dealt with it. He's obsessed with a relationship with you and how to know him for who he is, how to see yourself the way he sees you and overcome shame, how to have these healthy relationships and find these seven longings fulfilled. And the second part, we get into why we struggle, why we do the things we don't want to do, whether it's sin issues or why we struggle to believe in ourselves or have healthy relationships. You know, as Christians, I, th- I think traditionally we've done a good job talking about the fall of mankind and talking about how we're born with this sinful nature, but we, we tend to kind of stop there and not talk about the sins done to us, the unmet longings, the hurt done to us, and how that actually impacts us as well and leads to these lies, we believe, about God, about others, why we struggle um, why we start seeking out the fulfillment of our longings in, in unhealthy ways and really getting into what I talked about a minute ago, uh, the why behind those struggles and the fact that they're not random. We get into some neuroscience and, and why it's so hard to overcome these things. It leads to fixed pathways in our brain, fixed lies and default ways of responding. And then we get into choosing wholeness. What it looks like to return to the life we are created to live with God, with other people. How we start healing. How we start finding these longings fulfilled in healthy ways. How we see our view of ourselves, our view of God, our view of others change. And um, to put all this together, I, we we've seen this over the decades lived out in our lives and so many other people's lives and a quick example a couple of years ago i was working with a guy named ethan or i'll call him ethan and uh, we were in this six month lawn healing group that i was leading we were walking through all of this stuff and he kind of came in with thinking that the problem was just that he was angry he looked at porn too much and he struggled with depression and Of course, what we found in that group as we got into his story was that in his life were these deep, unmet longings. Growing up, his grades were never good enough for his parents. They said that he was too emotional, and so he didn't feel like he fit in in his own family, and he felt like he was inadequate, that he he was strange, that there was these things wrong with him. That led to these lies, to these beliefs that led to these— Unhealthy ways of coping, of trying to find, trying to survive, trying to make sense of the pain or alleviate the pain he was experiencing. But what he found in that group was acceptance that we weren't going to judge him or condemn him. What he also found was that every time he was struggling with depression or getting really angry, there was an unmet longing that was triggering all of his past unmet longings. For example, he'd be walking around on the college campus and see his ex-girlfriend with another guy and then deeply feel once again he wasn't good enough, he was rejected. Well, what started to bring healing and freedom was when that happened, immediately, rather than spiraling, he would reach out to the other guys in the group. He would say, hey, this is what's going on. It's triggering these lies. I'm feeling this way and he experienced his longings being met. He would reach out to God, rem- remind himself of who he was, and then he started to get free as, over and over, these new pathways were built in his mind. Romans 12, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He was finding what he was truly looking for all along in healthy relationships with God and others, and that began to change everything for him.
1: Yeah, I think that is so helpful because, I mean, do you, even just talking very practical, like, I mean, a student, I mean, the world of social media, the fear of missing out, you know, not being included again in whatever that outing was or whatever that party was or meal or whatever, whatever it is, they trigger these lies. Right. And then all of a sudden mm. you're in this spiral. You weren't even aware of it. And, you know, as I've researched this over the years, and I love the chapter on neuroscience because I think that's such a big connection of of kind of look if you want to learn to run a 5k there's a way your body can learn to do that if you want to learn to regrow pathways in your in your brain there there's a there's a physiological way to do that and in yes. your mind because you're not your brain you are a soul you're an embodied soul you I mean that's why the existence of the soul and the immaterial matters so much you know that we're not locked into brain pathways that are just designed mm-hmm. to be efficient you know they're value neutral and all that and so that's so hopeful because and then we can put these things together, and that's why I love this holistic model, because one of my passions is helping people see that, yes, believing what's true matters and why it's true matters, but also who we're becoming. You know, all, all of these things are not individual islands, but they're all connected. Our spiritual formation is connected to our own understanding of what's true and why it's true and how do we live in community and trying to create vision for that, especially for the next generation is so important and and for us to pursue as disciples
2: ourselves. Jonathan, Um, I I think so much of it is ignorance of not knowing. And this is where I, I so appreciate the publisher and everything working with Ben, the way the book came out is that it not only gives people knowledge of understanding the situation you're in, why you're in it, but how to get out of it and everything. But it also applies it to real life because they've taken my story and Ben's story and interwoven it throughout the book. So you're not only taught a truth, you're shown how that truth worked out in a person's life. So you had context for it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what's gonna help so many people is to say, wow, now I understand why I do this. But what do I do? And then they read further. No, thank God. Now I, I, I've i got some practical, workable steps, biblically, et cetera, to get out of this situation. And what's really helpful there, I know for me, is when I see how it works out in somebody else's life. And so they see how it worked out in either Ben's life or my life. And so I think we have a good model of learning and education in the book.
1: Absolutely. And I want to just tell people that the book is accessible. It's not super long, but it is packed full of great actionable input. So for example, in one of the appendices, Appendix C, it talks about proactive support. What would it look like to invite some people into what's going on? Here's just some of the questions. I mean, as you're listening to this podcast, maybe ask yourself this week, which of these seven longings are going unmet in my life this week? Or what am I feeling and believing as a result? And then What unwanted behaviors might I desire to go to in order to cope with these unmet longings? And then how can I seek their fulfillment through God and others? What would it look like if we began to talk about those kind of questions with our friends, with our peers, with our mentors, with our families, you know, I mean, I just think there's so much opportunity, very practical. And then, and I think this is the key, and this is so important for all of us who we want to project a a feeling of always having it all together or things like that. It's like, hey, I'm, I wrestle with these longings too, or these come out sideways for me too, and here's what's going on in my world, and inviting other people in. And so that's that's really critical if we're going to kind of move forward, but I think it's so hopeful because of how God designed us. It's not apart from truth. It's not relativizing things. It's it's bringing God's revealed truth to bear on what it looks like for us to move forward in a fallen world as fallen human beings in a redemptive way with one another. And I think that's what's so encouraging about about this book you've written, Free to Thrive.
0: Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, that really appreciate those words, and, and that's the hope. Like It gets real practical in realizing, I think so many of us struggle with the fact that we're human. We have deep needs and desires. Proverbs 4.23, everything you do flows from your heart. Um, there's things going on inside of us that we actually need. We need acceptance from God. Romans 15, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. A lot of times, I think we think selflessness is denying everything. It's it's denying my needs. It's rescuing others. It's being a doormat. No, no, no. You're created on purpose, for a purpose. You have needs. I mean, we, we get this with food, water, and shelter. Nobody questions that. You're going to die if you don't drink water. But we're not just physical. We're also spiritual, emotional, and relational. We've got needs there, too. God created them. The, the problem is, if they're not going fulfilled in the way God created them, it's going to come out sideways, like you said, Jonathan, and we're we're going to struggle, and we're going to struggle to live into who God created us to be, and we're going to struggle to be healthy and achieve our purpose, and in fact, reach others with the gospel message, because we're going to be drained, that we're struggling with sin, we'll be full of, of, of shame. In fact, after leading six years of, of these healing groups, what I saw working with campus directors, Was after they got healthy and worked through these things, they were more fired up about sharing the message of Jesus because they were experiencing it transform their lives. They were better husbands, better fathers. They were truly thriving and actually more effective in their ministry work.
2: I think the principle there, Ben, is, and Jonathan, if we do not see our needs met, we cannot consistently meet the needs in a healthy way of other people. And uh, this is what I had to learn. And uh, thank God for um, two people who me in that was Henry Cloud and a dear friend of mine named Dick Day, who's with the Lord right now. And boy, do I miss him because he was such a vital part of my life. But um, Ben, if there's time, why don't you share your story about your friend, Ivan?
0: Yeah, Ivan. Love, Ivan. Uh, a few years ago. I was getting to mentor him for the summer. He was adopted from uh, Asia by a Caucasian family, and he grew up in this rural part of of the country, one of the few Asian kids around. And um, in elementary school, he he really began to be picked on, to be bullied because he was different. Uh, He he looked different than people. He um, had acted different. He came from a different culture. Uh, But so what happened was, most days he started to fear for his safety. You know, he was longing for that assurance of safety, but a lot of times he didn't experience it. Um, he He was bullied, he was beat up, he was picked on. So man, when I met him, he was like struggled to make eye contact. He was quick to be angry. he He was it was almost like his emotional and relational and even spiritual growth was stunted at that stage of life where he began to be abused. And he deeply longed for his family or some of his friends to stand up for him, but nobody ever did. So he was struggling with these lies, anger, all of those things. And when he met me, he wondered, "Okay, is this guy going to do the same? I've got all these negative experiences. People don't like me. Something's wrong with me. Is this guy going to be like that? Is Ben going to be safe? Is he going to stand up for me? Is he going to really care for me? You know, I had been through this was like six years in my healing journey. So I'd been through a lot of my own stuff and finding healing and freedom and and realizing the abuse I faced and and figuring out what it means to be a safe person. And because of spending so much time with him over the course of four weeks, within four weeks, he told me I was the second man he had ever trusted in his life. Wow. What did I do? I, I just listened to his story. I understood or tried to seek to understand what he had experienced. Some of the things I could relate to, some of the things I couldn't relate to because of his experience being adopted and and being a different ethnicity than me and cultural context. But I related with the pain. It looked different in my life and the bullying, and it looked different in my life. But I I, I started to see, or he started to see uh, healing. He became less anxious, less angry, He started to see Jesus meet those unmet longings of his heart. He grew in relationships with me, with safe people that he was surrounded by. And it was wild. By the end of the summer, months later, it was like he had become a different person. And it was because of those new experiences, right? He had these old negative experiences that led to lies and all these struggles. Then he had these new experiences. And I don't want to oversimplify it or or shortchange it. That was the beginning of his journey. But now, oh, I got to share this. Uh, About a year ago, uh, I met up with him. I hadn't seen him in years. And he was even more so a a new person. He was leading um, the connection ministry for young adults in his megachurch. And he was on fire. He was talking about Jesus in his secular job. And I looked at him. I was like, this is a different person. Jesus has changed this man. And he's thriving and he's dating and he's communicating well. And he's come so far. And it all came down to just being the hands and feet of Jesus, helping him understand these unmet longings seeing these met longings lead to thriving and healing in his life and um, just the process of of time and that's what that's what god did in ivan's life applying a lot of these principles wow that's a, that's so hopeful <laughs> and encouraging i love that
2: there's there's so many people out there like ivan o uh, jonathan and uh, god wants every one of us to be a source of healing And that means we need to be healed ourselves to do it. But something I learned listening to uh, Ben tell about Ivan, one of the most important things is not so much the answers you give, but being able to ask the right questions. And Ben is very good in that because of what he's gone through in his life. He knows how to ask the right questions. And this has been brought over into the book. I think as you read Free to Thrive, by the time you finish that book, you'll be more equipped to ask the right questions to really see where you are and where other people are.
1: Yes. Well, I think that's one of the reasons it's so helpful. The book again is free to thrive by Josh McDowell and Ben Bennett. Um, you know, as we kind of draw to this conversation to a close, maybe maybe share a word of encouragement to a mom or a dad, Listen, I mean, I know when I read through this and been thinking that, about these things for a while and just trying to grow, I mean, I come from a, a broken home background. I lost a lot of my family members. You know, there's a lot of, and I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I do it? How do I be a good dad? How do I be a good husband and, and help meet these longings and help in, in the right ways, you know, and even add new, new ways of looking at this uh, to our family, but maybe give some words of encouragement uh, to those listening right now Uh, about ways forward, um, even as an application. Just kind of whoever wants to share, both of you, share a little bit of what's on your heart by way of encouragement.
2: Well, one thing you need to do is ask God to give you the ability to forgive those who have hurt you. Because if you don't, it will haunt you your entire life. I was living in Julian, California, Dottie and I and our four kids, it's up in the mountains out of San Diego, the oldest town in California. And I knew there was something wrong in my life. And I told Dottie, I'm going to go down and rent the, the wedding cottage. At the old hotel there, they got a little cottage in the back they call the wedding cottage. And I rented it and I stayed there a couple of nights just to get into the scriptures, to pray and ask God to reveal things about my life. And I remember I was sitting there and I. I started to write down who are the people that have mostly affected my life and one of the first people i wrote down was my mother and yet i resented my mother only because and this is horrible for me to share but it's how a little kid processes it uh, my father was not only an alcoholic and drunk all the time and i was embarrassed to be seen with him but my mother I loved her, but I was in a real conflict with her, why? Because, I'll use that term, she was fat, and I was just a little kid. I wish I knew now, I backed in what I know now about weight and about my mom and everything, but my dad was the town alcoholic, I was always embarrassed to be seen with him. And then my mother weighed, I think it was 346 pounds. She was huge she couldn't walk through a door without hitting both sides of the door at the same time and her problem was today that she'd take a pill but she had a thyroid problem and all she had to do was look at food and she gained weight today i think they can solve that for a person but i was always so embarrassed to be seen with her when we would go to battle creek michigan school shopping and we're walking the streets and going into the different stores. I was always looking around, hoping none of my friends saw me. Isn't that awful? And playing football, she came to every one of my games and never once saw me play because she couldn't get out of the car. There's no place to sit. She couldn't stand. She couldn't sit in the bleachers and all. And she'd sit in the car, but people were always standing in front of the car so she could never see it. And every once in a while, when I would come out from a play, I would go over to the car and I remember as a, you know, I was like 60, 17 years old. And every time I go there, my mother would be crying. And I never could figure that out as a child. And so I was sitting there and I wrote down my mother. And the next thing I knew, I went over to the bed, got down on my knees, Jonathan. And I thanked God for my mother and I thanked her. And I don't know what happened there, but it was like I was freed up and I realized I needed to forgive the people who I felt had hurt me, had done me wrong or whatever, and it all started with my mother. And so I have learned that you've got to have the principle of forgiveness in your life. Even when somebody hurts you, you need to forgive them or you will pay the price. And never mm. truly be free to thrive.
1: Wow, thank you for being just so vulnerable and sharing that with us. I'm sure so many people can relate at different levels to, to what you shared there. Uh, that's so, so important.
2: I'm embarrassed about what I thought of my mom and what I did and everything now. But realized I was just a kid and I didn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. Mm. Thanks for sharing that.
0: Yeah, I would I would say, Jonathan, to those listening, don't give up. Your your struggles of today do not have to be your struggles of tomorrow. And I think about my own life, just the stuff I was stuck in for, for decades that I wasn't finding freedom from, and the suicidal thoughts coming in thinking, this is going to be my life forever. I, I think we can just accept certain things as diagnoses for the rest of our life, whether it's an addiction or a sin struggle or a mental health issue. But the reality is that's not true. Just like there's overwhelming evidence for Christianity, there's overwhelming evidence about how Jesus heals, sets free, and changes. And oftentimes not in a miraculous one-time instance, although he can do that. But in in our formation, in our discipleship, in over time, following Jesus, becoming his apprentice, I see this clearly in the word salvation in the New Testament— We talk about how the word saved means salvation, or it means to be forgiven of our sins and reconciled with God. Yes, that's true. We need that. But it is also translated and means make whole and heal. And God, as part of uh, salvation, filling us with the Spirit, he's making all things new in us. We're overcoming things. We're healing from things here and now in this life. Jesus said it was better that he would go because he would send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And I've realized in in my own life, thinking that my struggles of today are never going to get better. That's what leads to so much hopelessness. But then as the years go by, looking back on things I never thought I would be free from, that Jesus set me free from through a process and understanding the unmet longings and finding healing We've got to hold on to that hope. We've got to hold on to what Jesus said, that he would come to set the captives free, that he would come to bind up our wounds, uh, that he's making all things new. We've got to hold on to that. I think so many times we, we settle for, well, this is just who I am. I was born with a sinful nature. I'm going to struggle with these things forever. But that's not a diagnosis that Jesus puts on the believer, he came to heal us, to save us, to make all things new, and for us to become more and more like Him in this life here and now.
1: Yeah, and that's so encouraging. And again, we've been talking about the book, Free to Thrive, how your hurt, struggles, and deepest longings can lead to a fulfilling life. And we all have hurts, we all have struggles, and we all have deep longings. So if we can kind of kind of agree that we're all in that part together, then we can move forward towards What does that look like to thrive, to really discover a life of spiritual and emotional and relational wholeness? And that's why I'm so excited about about this book, this conversation. Uh, The work we're doing here at Impact 360 by God's Grace is we try to disciple this next generation and cultivate leaders who follow Jesus. We want them to be holistic disciples of Jesus in the sense of following Jesus emotionally and spiritually and relationally. And so if you... Are listening to this and want somebody to help come alongside you, whether that's through our summer camp experiences or our nine-month gap year or other other ways, whether resources, you can look that up at impact360.org. Um, you can get a copy of this book, Free to Thrive, by Josh McDowell and Ben Bennett. It's so helpful um, as we try to be who God's called us to be during this cultural moment, especially with a generation that needs the truths in these pages. We all do to be <laughs> quite candid. Um, I know I certainly do. So so I just want to say, Josh and Ben, thank you so much for your faithfulness in this and and writing this book. Um, And thank you so much for being willing to share your own stories in it.
2: Well, this has been a privilege. And I hope someday you and I could have a cup of coffee. I'd love to sit down and interact with you, Jonathan.
1: Oh Well, me too. I I sure am grateful for your faithfulness, and you've impacted my life in in tons of ways. Um, Obviously, Sean's one of my best friends in the world, and and I'm so grateful for him. Uh, But just thank you. You're a gift, and so I just want to say thank you. And and Ben, it's been good to, good to get to know you a little bit through this process of just even over the interview here of getting to hear your heart and your story. But thank you for for the work that you're doing.
0: Oh yeah, Jonathan, it was awesome finally getting to connect with you. I love what you're doing, and um, like I said before the call, been impacted by you and your research and what you're doing, reaching the next generation. And so appreciate you. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks. Again, God bless you all. Thank you so much, and again, the book is free to thrive. Encourage you to pick up a copy today and put into practice something that you heard in this conversation.
0: For more information about our on-campus worldview and leadership experiences for students and our accessible online courses like Explore Truth and Explore the Resurrection, visit impact360.org. Impact 360 Institute. Know. Be. Live.